morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here. Beautiful morning. We have uh, co-hosting today, Karen uh, McClellan. Uh, Karen is the longest-serving member of the school board. And uh, we have a show about what's going on in Sedona. And I asked Karen to come in because she lives in the village of Oak Creek. And there's so much confusion. Uh, uh, we see people who from the, the village going up to um, Sedona councilors, city councilors, and denouncing them for this or that, and and then finding out after they're, they finish uh, expressing themselves that they, in fact, uh, don't even live in the city. But that's okay. But we want to try to uh, discuss Sedona issues today. And we have the assistant city manager, Joan Keene, and you're fairly new to Sedona. Yes. Uh, this will be my fifth month on the job. Oh, well, you're in for a real experience over the next year or so. Um, what I've gotten concerned about, i got to stay on the mic myself, is um, look, listening to social media. And I've been there are lots of social media. I don't do a lot on Facebook, but I've been listening in on the next door. And uh, uh, it's an interesting mixture of, you know, um, seeking a plumber, you know, landscape person, uh, carpet, carpenters, uh, 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 looking for all different kinds of, uh, for help. There's lots of pictures of snakes and, and kittens and dogs and puppies and, and, uh, bobcats. And, um, let's see what else. All right. Rattlesnakes, mm-hmm. lots of pictures of rattlesnakes. People find rattlesnakes in the yards. We do have them. Um, rattlesnakes are protected. You're not supposed to kill them. You can just call the fire department. They'll come remove them. So we have a, we have on next door, if that's representative of other social media, we have all this, I wouldn't say it's innocuous, but just sort of friendly uh, local questions. Uh, you know, I'm new in town. Uh, what's a good what's a good uh, connection cable connection to television something like that, and then we have all these um, these folks on there that uh, rant and rave and insult other people, and uh, it's sort of pretty amazing. There, what I see is an unwillingness to sort of accept the facts of what the city can do and can't do, and so we wanted to have uh, some people from the city to talk about. Uh, issue. So, for example, what can the city and what can it not do about short-term rentals? Well, that's a great question. Um, as I as I mentioned, I've been here five months, and this is probably uh, the issue that has come up the most since I've been here in Sedona. Um, the question of you know, what the city can do to regulate short-term rentals. Why do we have so many short-term rentals? Why is every home being turned over into a short-term rental? And the reality is, is that the city cannot do much. Um, We're preempted by the state from really doing 
um, anything that is um, not outlined in statute for authority. So, you know, for example, we've been able to, um, you know, we have a trash ordinance within the city of Sedona. We've been able to start collecting emergency contact information. These are all things that are outlined in state statute that we can do to regulate short-term rentals. But that's pretty much it. And um, it's a very frustrating issue. Um, we've we've worked for years at the legislature since um, you know the the bill was signed by the governor to um, not allow local governments to regulate short-term rentals. And we're going to try again this session and try to to get more authority over short-term rentals um, and work with our legislature and the governor to really educate. The fact that short-term rentals, it's not about the party homes. It's about losing community. And and I think that's going to be our big message this session. Folks have to understand the extent to which their their short-term rentals, both here and down down in the village, they undercut the community. So if you have a community of 40 houses and 15 of them are short-term rentals, it undercuts the whole sense of community. I know that the city recently hired or is planning to hire a lobbyist on the short-term rental issue. How would that work? Well, it you know, it would be um, an advocate, a legislative advocate for the city of Sedona. Um, you know, the city, you know, and then, the, you know, that the surrounding communities, I mean, it's a very special place. And you look at how short-term rentals are impacting this area compared to, other areas that are more heavily heavily populated, um, we're definitely seeing a more significant impact, you know, on housing, affordable housing, being able to house our workforce. So this this lobbyist, legislative advocate, would be our voice down at the legislature, working with um, the League of Cities and Towns, who is the city's you know, all of the city's advocate and other communities have hired their own lobbyists as well. So this person will be our, our eyes and ears be coming back to the city and the city council and um, coming, you know, with the need for education materials, decision points. You know, we have this opportunity for this change in statute. You know, what does the, the council think about this? So it would just give us um, a more active representation down at the legislature. And before the city has worked through this council of cities and, and towns of Arizona, it's worked through a large civic lobbying group. And what's happened, what's new is that they've added their own particular uh uh, I won't call it lobbyists, but I will. But I mean, cut their own lobbyists to to work on on this particular issue, short term rentals. Uh, as as a sort of skeptic, when I'm, like, I think it's a great idea, but the um, short term rental legislation a while back was the signature thing of Doug Ducey, mm-hmm. the governor. It was started and projected and probably written by the Goldwater Institute and Alec. There was a lot of pressure behind it. Uh, they didn't allow any debate. They refused to make an exception of Sedona, so that Sedona could could be we grandfathered are, we are in. The only city in this, you know, it's all pretty much any city in Arizona that depends on tourism for. And there are a number Bisbee, there are number, even Flagstaff, the Page, degree, but, yeah, yeah. Page. All, the, all the cities that have a lot of tourists are facing the same thing. And it's unfortunately, we know the League of Cities and Towns, the you've forgotten the name, the Association of like County Supervisors, Correct. whatever County they're Supervisors called, Association. Um, a bunch of different cities who do already have lobbyists, 
everyone has been saying the same thing at the legislature and they're not being heard. The other unfortunate issue that I see, like Steve, by looking at the social media, is that people don't understand that even with, let's say, different people in the legislature and they repeal that law, it only stops future change. You know, like Arizona's got a couple of other laws on the books that I think one may have been an initiative some years back that the, you can't deprive somebody of the value of their property Correct. very specifically. So very specific, home, very draconian. Today, yeah. you could make X, it's worth X hundred, you know, thousands of dollars because it could be a short-term rental. If you take away that possibility, you, you, know, you can't go back to someone who's already using that. Possibly, so we'll never get rid of the house. You know, that's we the, can't that, go backwards to as it was ten years that's ago. That's something to consider, folks. Is that is that what Karen's saying is absolutely right? That even if we were to get a ban on future yeah. short-term rentals, the short-term rentals that are already there would probably, in all. Well, in all probability, still exist. I don't know exactly what law could could get rid of them because Sedona. I mean, uh, Arizona has draconian kind of taking property laws. So if somebody has Airbnb and they're making a lot of money on it, and the city comes along and says, "Oh no, no Airbnb for you," then they can sue the city for the loss of revenue. And so what happens with Airbnbs is um, is that. It's, it's called the highest use in economics. In other words, whatever is most valuable can generate the most money is what that property ends up being. So if a short-term rental generates more money than a long-term rental, short-term rentals are what's going to happen. And and that's what we're facing. And in Sedona, it's it's incredible the number of, um, of uh, short-term rentals there, Airbnb-type rentals. Um, so if, if people least understand the city's in a bind about what to do about it. When the city controlled things, it banned Airbnbs entirely. Correct. Right. So it's not the city government and and council. And the county had the same law. The county had the same law banning Air Airbnbs. Both you know, so both on city and county property. It was the other thing that nobody really wants to say, and I can say that because I'm not uh, an office holder or anything, and this is a sort of partisan show, is that. I, I see a, a campaign by by um, by local uh, Trump supporters, but the whole Airbnb Airbnb thing, the, the 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 forbidding the banning of them and everything is entirely a Republican operation, Republican government, Republican uh, think tanks, Republican everything, and it. The one reason I'm skeptical about having a, a lobbyist down there is this is one of Ducey's principal achievements in his mind. For the for his his career, yeah. his first and state it, of the state address talked about the gig economy, and right. talked about Uber and that's Airbnb. All these things where you, as an individual, can control your own work life, your own life. And we all know for the Republicans, if you that my house is my castle and I should be able to do anything yeah. I want to with it, and you, as the city, shouldn't be able to impede right. my desire it, to do whatever. It, it's, it's libertarian, yeah, libertarian philosophy. And, and, yeah. and it's deeply ingrained, so I, I wonder if, if a lobbyist will help. I, I hope it will. At least it, it can't hurt, right? It, it requires more than that. It requires different people sitting in the seats down there. And this coming session, we'll have the same people we had last session. So this, in January, a lobbyist probably won't help much because they're talking to the people who were there last year and before. So it'll be yeah, after the 2022 election, maybe yeah, with, with different mm -hmm. people who are elected of some of different people down there in both parties, maybe there will be a change in viewpoint. So I think what we could say that Joanne can't say is that if you're concerned about 
Airbnbs, if you're concerned about short-term rentals, you need to take it to your the legislature and vote for people in the legislature who are opposed to them or want to regulate them. That's where to go. Or go and vote for governor, right? Yep. Vote for a governor who is not a big fan of, uh, of, of short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, yelling at the city council and, and the county government is not, is not going to do much for you. The other thing we've all found, I know those of us who live in, in homeowners association areas, nobody, we all know how many years we've all complained about our homeowners association says your weeds are too high, you can't build a garage, whatever those things are. Now we all love them because our homeowners association <laughs> is the only people who can regulate short-term rental. Mm-hmm. I live in the village of Oak Creek, within the village of Oak Creek Association, and they've been a favorite target because they actually do regulate pretty tightly a lot of things. But now they also regulate no rentals less than 30 days, and they will fine you $1,000 a day if you rent your house out for less than 30 days and they're able to prove that you've done that. So now, you know, despite the fact that we still don't like them when they come and tell you you didn't cut your weeds this month, but now that's the one, you know, that's a lower level of government. And, you know, they have, and of course, this, they seem to have powers that the state can't touch. I've never quite understood. Well, they're, they're not the legally, they're not legally government. That's yeah. why of, of they're, they, it's yeah. a signed association. Yeah. It's a contract. contract Everybody signs can, a contract. Yeah. And they seem to be able and to so, contract things that nobody right. else could do. So they can, so, they're, yeah. they're Basically, they're um, accepting the contracts that people sign in in, in homeowners association. They're not messing with yeah. those. But homeowners association really are not legal entities yeah. the way but, a city account. But they, you know, their their rules are pretty. They're enforceable. They're pretty hard to overturn rules. You can't sue the homeowners this way. You can sue the city and expect the same kind of results. Right. I and in fact, the thing to remember, folks, that. If the city does anything that reduces your property value, even if it's just something really necessary, um, in the state of Arizona, um, uh, you you have a tremendous amount of rights with, with, with property rights. Property It's a property rights state. And so when I see these things on next door, for example, where, well, in Hawaii they're able to regulate it. In Colorado you can't do this. And, and in Montana, you know. That's very fine and good, folks, but you have to learn what's going on in Arizona. And we have a lot of really intelligent, well-educated people, and they seem to arrive in Sedona without learning the kind of basic facts, you know, that you know, the size of our government, where the city extends and where it stops, um, and all that sort of thing. So Airbnbs are probably the biggest thing. The other thing is ATVs, these off-road vehicles. What can we? What can Sedona do, or can it not do about off-road vehicles? Well, we're in a similar situation. Um, I will tell you that we're having a council session uh, next Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, October twenty-sixth, um, and our attorney is going to be presenting the options that are available to city council to regulate um, OHVs, if any. Um, so it'll be a pretty robust discussion. Um, I know there's many, there's several working groups that have been put together. I know the chamber, for example, has put together a, a working group um, with the business owners, the OHB business owners, and the city has been a part of that as well. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's definitely probably the second biggest concern that I've heard about since I've been uh, mm-hmm. at the city of Sedona, where you see these OHVs just on public streets, they're driving through neighborhoods, they're loud, um, 
some are some are speeding, some aren't going the speed limit. It kind of seems to be all over the place, and then just ruining um, our public lands. And um, it's definitely an issue that we need to need to deal. It's another one of those issues where the city again is somewhat limited. Right. But I know the city it has had talks with the Forest Service and the county, so it would require the city, the county, and the Forest Service all to sort of work together since a lot of the, when you talk about the people that talk about sort of habitat destruction and roads are places on Forest Service property Correct. or on state mm-hmm. trust land. I don't know if any of the roads cross that, but it sort of requires all these other agencies and government you know, organizations right. to work together and try to you know, look at the possibility of you know, which roads, which dirt roads in the forest would be open, which would be closed for this sort well, of thing. Most of the damage yeah. is being done on federal land right. and yeah. on state trust yeah. land. Yeah. It's not being, it's all outside the city yeah. of Sedona. The, so the, 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 yeah. the rental companies are in Sedona proper, mm-hmm. proper. But the, where the worst damage is being done, and I mean, I, I don't like the noise either. We have an Airbnb in the neighborhood, and they had six ATVs roaring around in circular in Kachina neighborhood, around and around. And uh, we all hate that. But the damage to the environment is occurring outside, pretty much outside the city of Sedona. Um, what I wonder about is the trucks, you know, going out to Enchantment and the other resorts are pretty darn loud. Are they, are they, the ATVs are about three times, uh, when I hike above the trail, above the uh, dry creek, they're about three times as loud as an ordinary car. But the, the trucks are nearly as loud as they are, are as loud. So I wonder if noise control will work. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think um, that's another item that we'll be discussing next next week is, um, you know, whether the city can do anything in regards to a noise ordinance. Um, the other question is, how is that enforceable? I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to enforce. And then, as you mentioned, much of this is happening with that outside of the city limits. So what, who has that authority? What's the problem with enforcement, Joanne? Well, I think some of it is, you know, you have somebody call a neighbor or a resident calls and says there's a ATV that just drove by my my house and the noise is a certain amount of decibels, for example. I mean, I think we deal with this, you know, with concerts and music, et cetera. It's hard for our PD to to come in and be able to kind of look at something at a point in time when they're not exactly there. So. Yeah. So it's just a really it's a really difficult thing to enforce in a community. Um, That's another you you brought up a good issue of other kind of noising. There's certainly people on social media that want to shut down music venues of all kinds. Music taking place in uh, bars and restaurants and down in your area. So much it over the years due to because yeah. of noise ordinances and, mm-hmm. and other issues. And, and unfortunately, had, and on <laughs> social media we had somebody now. If you buy a house under an airport and then you start complaining about airport noise and you want the airport to be to only land, allow planes to land and take off when you would like them, you know, like 10 o'clock to. So um, you would like to regulate the airport because the noise, um, it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit over the top. But there's there's complaints about. I don't know. If taken to the extreme, these people would ban almost all music. I mean, I don't know if even indoor music, if any kind of loud music, and certainly any attempt to have more concerts and and stuff. 
then there are other people in favor of it. And what you see on social media is when somebody's trying to shut down uh, music venues, then a whole lot of people come in and defend them. And so that's kind of what to do, folks, is if you have an opinion, go ahead and, and express it. But um, I worry a little bit, Joanne, that there are people who really would shut down Sedona completely. There'd be no new construction. There'd be no public music. There'd be no anything. It would be this quiet, subdued uh, city where everybody it would be like Singapore. You know, it turns Sedona into Singapore. Well, Singapore is notorious go for back to what it what it was for spending ago. yeah spending Many thirty days ago. in jail for littering. You know, so I, I worry a little about where that's going. Um, so we talked about ATVs and we talked about the um, short term rentals. What's, what other issues? Are, uh, the other that sort of runs is, as you're maybe somebody being newer, we've all had decades, almost it seems like decades, of talking again about affordable housing and the issues in Sedona, about workforce housing, it, and workforce housing not so much, not even really talking about the people who actually are working minimum wage type jobs, but the people who are teachers, nurses, doctor, you know, policemen, those sort of issues. And I know the city... You know, is is now starting to do some things on private part partnerships. They've hired uh, an employee in conjunction with the city of Cottonwood. What do you sort of see that we can sort of do in the future that might be possible to on, on that issue of housing that's more affordable than a five hundred thousand dollars single family sure. home? Let me double down on what Karen said. <laughs> that when I worked as a, a tour guide, about half the guys lived in Sedona. Yeah. Pretty much impossible. <laughs> if you're Correct. a single, if yep. you're a single person. They've all been yeah. forced out. We, we the housing yeah. that that the yeah. that the guys I worked with rented is now short-term rental. Yeah. There's we no place for them to live. We lose a couple of teachers every year. We did yeah. this year of teachers mm-hmm. that were hired, let's say January or February, to start for this past you know school year. Who after two or three months, you know, came in contact and said, "I can't find anywhere to live." You know, and that's somebody with a you know, these are not brand new teachers. Mm-hmm. These are people we hire just think maybe even double income families and they just couldn't find a house anywhere in Sedona. You know, and it's and we know there's a lot of things that just are impossible, you know. I think that's city, a good point the, that Karen's making. It's not even the poor people. It's not even poor people. It's working people mm-hmm. who are making really good money who still cannot find housing yeah. here. So what do you think that you will achieve with the the uh, coordination with Cottonwood, what sort of things are you hoping that person will do? Yeah, and I I mean, I'll start by saying that, you know, I've been looking for a place here (laughs) in Sedona. Um, You know, my husband and I have, we we live in Flagstaff, but we, you know, I I would like to live closer to where I work. And it's been really difficult. I mean, even a rental, um, trying to find something to buy is is impossible. so, you know, there are a few things, um, and, and one of the reasons I applied for this job initially was because I really saw that Sedona was really trying to work on some of these issues. I mean, when you have a an issue where your workforce cannot live within your city, um, that's a real problem. And you look at some of the the communities in Colorado that have dealt with this. I mean, they've just, they've lost their community and they've just become, you know, the lights out um, there's nobody living in the community. It's just people coming in and out, and you lose that sense of community. So a few things. I mean, we're, we um, hired a housing manager in um, partnership with the city of Cottonwood, and the plan is to really look at how we can make this a, 
a regional issue. Over 80% of our workforce, I think it's well over 80% now, actually lives outside the city of Sedona. So, you know, if we're, if they're living outside of Sedona, how can we help some of our neighboring communities, um, you know, develop affordable workforce housing projects? Um, within the city, we're looking at a, um, a down payment assistance program for uh, for employees who are working within the city of Sedona. I think, Karen, you mentioned the the public employees. I mean, we're having a real issue with our recruitment of police officers. And so we've looked at some things with expanding the boundaries of where they need to live, you know, in order to, to be responsive in their response time. So we're looking at some of those internal policies, but we're still having an issue of recruiting officers. And I know teachers, um, I mean, city employees, we're having a, an issue recruiting yeah, and city employees. And the city pay, pays well yeah, for the surrounding we area. That Those are well-paid jobs for the Verde Valley. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even the hotels play better here than the surrounding communities, yeah. and they still can't. I've, I've heard that there's yeah. like 300 openings that they haven't been able to fill. And I was at Whole Foods, and their whole lunch counter, very, I guess, very upscale lunch counter, is closed because they couldn't find enough employees to staff it. I mean, this is, this is kind of what's happening. So what can the city do given, um, I, you know, when, when I started work, I met guys who had lived here many years. Mm-hmm. And they talked about when Sedona was just a nice little western town mm-hmm. and had some retirement communities and double wides mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was not a super, it originally was not a super expensive place. It was like every place else around. And that's just completely eroded. Yeah. And the Air, Airbnbs made it much worse. But is there... Is there even rental housing down in Cottonwood for working folks? I, I mean, I, I think if you if you look on some of the social media sites where people are looking for housing, uh, there's just there's really not much in the Verde Valley at all. Even even Flagstaff is having an issue with um, affordable housing. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, the city's working on one project that went through city council. It's a 46-unit affordable housing project um, behind Walgreens. Um, it's a public-private partnership, and the city's putting in um, some money into that project to help the developer and move it forward. Um, that'll be a strictly affordable housing project. Um, we're also looking at other land within the city. We have a piece of property next to City Hall that um, the city purchased um, years ago that we're looking at um, changing the deed restriction on that property so we could use it for multifamily, and we would dedicate that um, to or, for a, an affordable housing project. But, you know, the city of Sedona, I mean, we're landlocked. We're surrounded by federal and state property. Um, you know, we're in a situation where there's that, not that much land to develop these projects. So that's why we need to be looking at these regional solutions. Um, the Dells has also come up as a potential option for some kind of a project. So we're looking at everything right now, I can tell you that. So how, how what's the priority in looking at the Dells? Because... The ferocity of which any kind of affordable housing, workforce housing has been opposed in Sedona is kind of shocking. I mean, people, I, I heard people say uh, on, on uh, social media, uh, these people wouldn't be welcoming. You know, renters wouldn't be welcoming the way we are. And they actually say things like that. 
and the, it, it's the, I don't know, our country, it's the them and us mm-hmm. taken to a, to a really weird angle because, yeah. because the housing is really workforce. When we moved here 20 years ago, uh, the, there were always a, a dichotomy or a trichotomy <laughs> uh, between the retirees who were here who had one set of things they wanted, the workforce here who had another thing. When we worked here, full-time. We all worked in the in tourist industry. It was important to have a strong tourist industry for our jobs and our making a living. Report, retirees, that was not so important. And then, then the third leg of, of Sedona is the millions of visitors who come here. Right. And I, I, I read social media. These people are, are from, you know, first they're fellow human beings. I mean, they're, you're acting like they're like <laughs> vampires from exactly. somewhere, folks. I mean, yeah. I, I really don't get it. But, uh, you know, they're fellow Americans mostly. Almost all our visitors are American or they're from our European uh, allies and friends or Asian friends or wherever. But the the hostility toward them is pretty ex- pretty extreme, Joe. And I, I, I haven't seen anything quite like it before. It's it's a little sh- – that, that has been shocking to me. I mean, I, you know, we've all been tourists. We've all traveled. We've traveled the world. We've traveled within our own country. Um, you know, and, and – these tourists come here and they're here, you know, to witness the beauty that we all get to see every day. Um, and they're also, um, you know, big generators of our revenue here. If we didn't have the, the, the tourism dollars, you know, we would have to be looking for other sources of revenue um, to run a community. Um, so I, I agree. It, it has definitely been shocking to me the way that, um, it, you know, the antagonism towards tourism and tourists, um, and I will say, and I, I say this quite a bit, but it's not just here this is happening. I mean, you look at, you know, I see it up in Flagstaff, but you see it in a lot of the western towns right now that have just been hit really hard during COVID, you know, with tourism. Yeah, it's, um, well, when, when I arrived here, you could move here and get a job and, and mm-hmm. buy a house and stuff, and that's all gone. Yeah. I understand it. That things change, and that the housing is going to be expensive in Sedona. But one of the legs of Sedona was the workforce, and yeah. the workforce no longer lives here. When when I talked to people when I arrived 20 years ago, there was a time when everybody who worked in Sedona pretty much lived in Sedona, and now you're down to what 80 percent of the people don't live in Sedona. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, you've seen it in other ways in the. School district we hit back around 2006, like before, before the housing crisis, before, you know, the mortgage crisis, the economic downturn. We hit within the school district close to 1,200 students. We're now at about 750 students. Wow. Now yeah. that's not all strictly due to just housing. Some of that is due to other things the state of Arizona has done over the years that have have made people feel less welcomed within the state of Arizona if they are immigrants, and some of those people have gone elsewhere. But a lot of it is due to the fact that if, you know, if somebody leaves, you, you know, the people, person, you know, people replacing them, the family on your street with, you know, with a house, if they move away, it's unlikely to be another family that moves in. And, and these are often, we're not, it said, the people at the lowest ends of the wage scale. These were people with, you know, with good jobs and things and a little bit of balance because people are now moving here who, you know, due to the fact that you can work from home. 
and more than before. Yeah, so you've got true. people mm-hmm. at a certain level of income that can afford to move here with their families because they want to live in a small town. Correct. They don't mm-hmm. want to live in, of course, some of those people that move here because they want to live in a small town become the loudest voices when it takes them 25 minutes to get from out here you know, by the ah. hospital, down, down, you know, to the Y because of traffic on the, the road. So, so it's I'm a, hearing she, the next topic to yeah. ask well, Joanne, which is another not topic traffic. that another topic that there isn't you know a whole lot you can do beyond talking about because it's you know, the the possible solutions. We've talked to how many years the city every three years has done a traffic study. It seems, mm-hmm. and the answers have been very similar. And they've talked about neighborhood connectors and things, all of which are first very expensive to do. And often meet a lot of, of resistance in making through streets out of streets of I, I would think that I thought those were the best things in the yeah. in the plan, and those were the first to go because of the opposition in the neighborhood. Um, when I biked around Sedona, everything is a dead end. You can't you can't on the south side of 89A. You can't get from anywhere else without without coming back on 89A. Uh, it's all isolated, discreet neighborhoods. Um, Dead end streets, uh, private roads. It's um, it's a complex that makes it very very hard to to do it. But I think this last year, Joanne, uh, maybe you weren't you were here for spring vacation. People, it was finally over the top. People have always spring break tourist town. You're going to have a lot of traffic. I mean. It goes to figure, and there are people who are real rational. Well, I can't go to the restaurant exactly when I wanted to because blah blah. But this this time, people are really up to their necks in the traffic problem. People are really furious, and I'm not talking about you know angry people. Really, I'm not talking about people who are ideologically want to attack the city government or something. I'm talking about people who you know like go to the Sedona Art Center, and after, it, it takes them an hour to get up here from the Chapel neighborhood. What can be done? Yeah, so that I mean, it's a great question. I when I was um, doing my interview for for the position, the deputy city manager position, I actually got caught in traffic coming <laughs> coming down Cooks Hill, and I just I sat there and I thought, wow, do I want to do this <laughs> every yeah. day? Yeah. And then I sat back and kind of took it into perspective. I mean, you know, it's a challenge when you have. Um, when you, when you're used to getting from point A to point B in a certain amount of time and you know during certain periods within the year that changes i mean that's that's a that's a big impact and that's a big impact to to the community and on residents and you know the city definitely understands that you know, I think um, you know the the Sedona in Motion projects that the city's working on right now. I mean, they're you know kind of a long list of projects that kind of one by one, um, and then all together will address some of these issues within the city. Um, I, I can tell you just from my perspective, coming in from Flagstaff uh, through the canyon, those uptown improvements have have made a world of difference coming into town. So last week during our council meeting, we, we had an update on the SIM projects. And if you haven't watched that council meeting, it was a great council meeting because they were actually showing kind of the simulation of traffic during those very busy times, um, you know, throughout the year, what that looks like and what some of the changes we're looking at, how that will help. So the forest road extension is one example, um, you know, the 
179, the um, Talakapaki, the the crosswalk. I mean, there, there were all of these different things um, that we're looking at. The uptown improvements, um, you know, with potentially making another lane there and looking at widening that so we don't have that backup. That kind of impacts both of the roundabouts. I go there up to uptown twice a week to go to the uh, art center, and there's been a huge improvement. Mm -hmm. And I see people in the social media say the city hasn't done anything; it's no better. But mm -hmm. I, I, when I hear that, I wonder, like, do they ever drive up there? I mean, can't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so well, obviously an improvement. The traffic is bad, so I'm staying home, and I'm going to go. I go to Cottonwood to shop. I don't drive, and you know, some of those people who, are, but you know, a yeah, lot of, and a lot of those issues, I do think. I got this sort of feeling, besides the people who complain about everything on social media, and mm -hmm. some of those people have been here for 20 years and complained for 20 years. Yes. But the, it seems possibly the fact that the traffic is a fact. Yes. It, it is a mm -hmm. fact that has been made, made a little difference on sort of Williams, the, the connection of, uh, from uptown to, well, to the Y, making mm -hmm. it like a, like a four-way intersection. That's something that people talked about for years and years, which would have been much easier to do in 1980 when they built the post office mm -hmm. than it will be today. It would have been nice, but, nice to get but it. But people talked about it uh, when, that, when they built the post mm -hmm. office at that spot of having, making that a four-way intersection and connecting it to somewhere it, in uptown. It would have been nice if they could have bought land back in yeah, the day. Then yeah. they would have yeah. land to build but housing does it seem and that, stuff Do you think on? that the, the fact that the traffic is a fact is making some of these suggestions more palatable and people are a little more willing, you know, the average person, not the person who spends their time complaining on social media, to look at the fact that I'm more willing to, to accept that there may need to be a street mm -hmm. through my right. neighborhood but when or I a would wider say, street. What I would say, yeah. Karen, is that I see all the improvements in Uptown. Now, there yeah. needs to be more improvements, and I think the city yeah. is working on it. That traffic circle is too small. It, cl it clogs Correct. up some mm -hmm. when you have heavy traffic. But and there are, it's too close to the light, so there's issues up there. But basically, it's a huge improvement. I don't see any improvement. I think this is what you're going to hear from people. The city has made no improvement in the traffic coming up from Phoenix or going from Sedona down to Phoenix on I-17 via 179. The city has made no improvements. ADOT's made no improvements. They promised to have a sign telling you, you know, 20 minutes if you go through Oak Creek, 10 minutes if yeah. you don't, mm -hmm. if you go directly up there, something like that. Mm -hmm. And they have this little tiny sign that you go under and nobody even notices mm -hmm. or reads. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to say to that? Because people are saying the city is not doing anything about the, the traffic coming in from the south. Yeah, and I think, you know, that that is something the city cannot control. I mean, it, it is, um, you know, ADOT obviously, you know, has has the authority over 179, I-17. We've been working with them on the, the signs that you mentioned that, that show. I, I believe we're also working on one that not only shows the time to get to Sedona, but that you can go another way. Um, so it's not, yeah. Highway, highway 260. Correct. Which, yeah. Yeah. you know, on lots of days is quicker. And even uh, when there is no traffic, is not all that much longer mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really, it really right. in, in time because it, it is, mm -hmm. you can go at maybe a So do you think you can get dot to put a sign a down sign. there telling them to South go to Sedona via Cottonwood? Because they've always refused to do that. I mean, I know from following things for so long that, that most of the issues are, like the city only what owns a mile of highway and road, the yeah. the rest of the highway mm -hmm. is owned by ADOT. So when people yell at the the city for not mm -hmm. doing things, uh, it's 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 an important point because the city has to go to bat for its it, it, its citizens. 
but it's also that somebody else owns and controls everything. Correct. Mm -hmm. And and one point I'd like to make is, you know, the reason that we were able to get a lot of those uptown improvements done was because the city took over ownership of that portion of the road from ADOT. So that's why things happened quickly. We were able to do all of those improvements. But that's exactly right. I mean, we have very little authority. And, and of course, you run into ADOT does everything on 10-year plans. Yes. Or I think it's 10-year so, plans. So yes. even if they they, yes. it's, they mm -hmm. agree with you today that they will, that's, if there was some change they could do, they would, it might, will be 10 years from now before they do it, even Correct. if we all agree and that some, something would make a difference. And you can't do the same thing with, the, like, the improvements in Uptown. You can't do the same thing somehow with getting people into the city. Well, I mean, that would require taking over ownership of, um, of certain roads that, you know, ADOT controls, which I know has been quite a bit, big discussion within the city of Sedona many, many years ago, well before my time. Yeah. And um, it also requires taking ownership of properties, correct. which mm -hmm. probably have some kind of house or business on them already. That was issues many years mm -hmm. ago with, with 179 was why not make it four lanes into town? And one thing is what happens when it gets to the creek? You know, you can make, if you make it four lanes, you eliminate Hillside Shopping Center, you eliminate things the other side, you pretty much eliminate Tlacopaki. You could have you could have had a four lane road into town to West Sedona and Flagstaff, but there would be nothing left to Sedona. The, the business <laughs> owners are well, be, really sensitive no about business, parking places. There'd be no <laughs> business to come to yeah. if you if you because yeah. you would have had to actually remove. This is this is true all over the U.S. The yeah. 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 There are issues that's like having parking places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, it would take their parking places. Yeah. Well, you sit there and look at the little things in the village, the new restaurant, the one that opened, it doesn't have enough parking places. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. where do you put those additional parking places? At Colts Grill, it's been closed. You know, they did a soft opening, and the county said, no, you can't open. You didn't do You didn't address the parking issue. But there is, you know, you, you're talking there. Where do you add, I don't know how many, add more parking places in the parking lot that's already built? You know, where do you, you know, and the city so, is the same yeah. here. Where do you mm -hmm. add? I mean, the parking garage people don't, I've heard, you know, that one, I've heard a lot of negativities. Who wants a multi story car park somewhere? But it is a necessity. Mm -hmm. It is what, something that what else is may the help. City, uh, is the city doing? Why don't you sum up kind of what the city's doing about traffic and, and some of these yeah, other issues? And minutes, where, yeah. when is the meeting? Let's repeat again. When is the meeting on. Um, um, the ATV. Sure. So there's a couple. Next week, uh, Tuesday, October 26th, we have a council meeting on OHVs. And then a Wednesday, we have a council meeting on emergency uh, management, which we, we did not talk about today, but obviously uh, that came up quite a bit during the parking garage yes, discussion. Yes, I, for, I forgot, didn't get around yes. to emergency management. We could talk for another hour. Hour about emergency <laughs> management. Yeah. So we only have two minutes less. What? What would you say to you're the you're new mm -hmm. you're an assistant city manager? What would you say to Sedona folks who are getting all frustrated about traffic and ATVs and off-road vehicles mm -hmm. and sure um and I'm a deputy city manager deputy but, city you know, manager um, so I, I gave you a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> so I I would say a couple of things. I mean I think one of the things I would like residents to understand is that the city is doing a lot. I mean, I came from another community prior to working here, and the things that we're doing with a small staff to address all of these issues, and they're very complex issues. They require 
partnerships with um, county, city, um, federal, state agencies, that we're doing a lot to address these issues issues locally. And I would also say that um, most of the discussions, probably all of them, are, are being done in a public setting. So council meetings are always available um, for attendance. Um, you can watch them online. There's opportunities online to submit comments. So it's a very public process that the city has here that I think and, is important for residents to understand. And normally people can speak for a few minutes at a council meeting. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and that can make the council meetings very long sometimes. But they ha- you have the right to speak at a council meeting. You have a right to send a thing. Um, people need to make their voices heard, but they need to also learn, you know, the kind of the basic facts. We have all these educated people who would never, when they were doing, say, engineering would never just fly with all kinds of why we can yeah. do this and that. If they were making doing something in their profession. They would never make these sort of fly by night suggestions that, that show a lack of research. Well, I want to thank folks for being with us. We really appreciate it. And thank you, uh, Joanne Keene, for coming with us, thank Deputy you. City Manager. <laughs> and uh, Karen, what do we have next week? You've got Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Um, next week on this show, we've got one of the candidates for the Corporation Commission. And also this uh, Thursday, we're at the Democrats of Eric's Breakfast. You can find information on our website. We're talking about the Independent Democratic Redistricting Commission. Brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news right here on AM 7. 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.